Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host, Reese Thomas, I'm Teresa Quinlan. We make up TNT. For those of you that don't know, it's our name, Thomas and Teresa. We're here to explode the status quo, because this series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently, so we can start doing differently. Today's guest is Rhonda Delaney. She's a speaker a podcaster of her own podcast named Leadership Simplified, a cultivator of leaders that grows teams of raving fans. I don't know about you, but when I hear raving fans, I think, oh my God, I would love to work for a leader that has me as a raving fan. Rhonda believes that caring is the superpower and utilizing that power brings about spectacular results. She does this by teaching new managers how to become energized and engaged towards being transformational leaders that know how to build people gardens. Here's another phrase, people gardens. And in today's workplaces, this is much needed. It's much needed work by our leaders. We are so excited to have Rhonda with us here today to discuss caring in the world of leadership. Welcome to TNT ESQ, Rhonda. Mm, Thank you. Happy to be here. So caring, a loaded word perhaps for some people feels really loaded and we're interested in really knowing this is your life's work. How did it begin for you that this was the focus of what you wanted to do? I feel like I've been a leader since kindergarten, seriously, mm-hmm. all through school, uh, it was team sports that appealed to me. It was that camaraderie. It was that, uh, let's figure this out. Let's collaborate. Let's figure out how to, how to beat that other team. What do we have to do? What do we have to change? How do we need to be? And uh, I was always leading with those, those questions. And I, through my, through all through school, that's how I operate. That was my place of fun and joy. Yes, I have a competitive streak in me, but the greater thing that I got from the teams was that sense of belonging and that united front. You know, we had this goal and that was to come out victorious on the, on the other side. And it wasn't, it, it became really, really clear the older that I got is you could not do it with one person. It required everybody to participate, everybody to lift their game, everybody to uh, work harder at their own skills so that they could contribute at a a higher level. And then once I I finished um, school, I, well, I was married at 22, had three children by 27. (laughs) And while while the, the kids were young, I, I was working as a travel agent at that time and working, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week, basically putting in our coffers about 250 bucks a month by the time I paid daycare and the gas to work and the clothing. I mean, all this stuff. And I came home from work one day and I said, Trev, this is absolutely nuts. And that's when I started in the direct marketing. I sold children's educational books and games. Our kids were right at that perfect age. And so I grew teams of people. 
I had consultants that were part of my team and it was, you know, energizing and working with these people and, and helping these other salespeople earn trips, you know, so you have this goal and helping them get to those trips. And what I realized is that I loved helping people. I loved being a cheerleader extraordinaire. I mean, that was, that's where I, yeah, that's just my jam. Helping mm -hmm. people get uh, to where I knew that they could go if in fact they just focused on it and they believed in it and that kind of thing. So I did that for years and then I sold Watkins products, which is another direct marketing company and again built teams of people and it wasn't until I was 44 that I actually entered into a corporate environment um, I all of my passion my knowledge my uh, skill let's say comes from life and it comes from my desire to learn to, to figure out, to do better. You know, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars over my lifetime on books and classes and programs and conventions and conferences, you know, just learning, just learning about, about things and about people. And so I, um, yeah, I went into corporate and I was in the accounting department for five years and then spent uh, seven years as a sales manager and three years in, in operations. And the whole time leading people in different ways and creating and figuring things out and how the whole garden part of it um, relates to my leadership is it's I learned so much from the garden and from I think probably the the biggest single lesson that I've learned is every plant innately has something in it that is going to be that plant. And no matter what I feed it, where I put it, it is only going to be that plant. And I have to be okay with that. I have to love that. I have to, I have to nurture that. I cannot make a sunflower a rose. <laughs> it doesn't work. No matter so how hard. Yeah, moving that in the context of people is just, it helped me to the place where I appreciate every single person and who they are and what they bring to the table, what they love, what they don't love, and finding a way to create the environment that allows them to enjoy what they're doing. Let's not kid ourselves. We all can grow. Yes, I might be this way, but I can learn mm -hmm. more things about that way. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, uh, yeah, I love to talk. I have very strong opinions. And over the course of my life, I've learned it's okay for me to have that, but I can certainly learn how to articulate in a way that is not offensive, that is not putting up walls. I can still feel strongly, but I don't have to absolutely slay <laughs> mm -hmm. somebody and knock them down to, to state what I think or what I feel. 
So the other part of the garden um, that was really clear is it, when you look at pictures of gardens, the ones that the vast majority of people go, oh, that's so gorgeous. It's because there is a myriad of plants. Mm -hmm. We've got huge foliage. We've got little ones. We've got dainty flowers. We have these big cascading ones. And it's that group put together that makes it so appealing. Mm -hmm. It's the same with people. We need the people that want the background. We need the people that want the spotlight. We need the people that are into details. And we need the people that don't want to get in there at all. Mm -hmm. in order to make these teams uh, an energized, exciting place to be and everybody working at what they're good at and what they love. And yeah, you still have to do the stuff that you don't like, but that's not the focus or not, that's not the predominant amount of time that you're spending in your job. So when I was moved out of corporate, I came in one day and um, they told me that they'd eliminated my position when I was trying to decide what Rhonda 2.0 was going to be. Uh, I felt really drawn to the, the people gardener as, as far as just helping people understand at a very simple place how to create teams of raving fans. Because it's not, it's not super complex. Mm -hmm. And often people are scared of simplicity because they say, it can't be that simple. No way. It can't be that simple. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, it is that simple. And it's to care. To care about the human being, every single one of them, that's in your charge. So that's how I arrived where I am now. Quite a journey, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really interesting to hear how you've evolved, how you have grown uh, over those years, and you know what ingredients were added uh, to help you cultivate and blossom and uh, produce you know, the flower that's sitting before us right now. So when you talk about all this caring and, and understanding, the right time to do this, the wrong position to put that in, or you know, all these kind of things. It reminds me of, and also relaying that to your individual journey. It reminded, it, it made me think of, of of a parent or a mother. Um, you said you've had uh, several children. You've obviously each child is obviously different. They have their strengths and their weaknesses. They have their things that you try to encourage, things that you try to discourage, and um, knowing where to put them and how to nurture them seems to really align with your metaphor your analogy the uh, the people gardener um so tell me um <clears throat> what you describe doesn't sound very simple i know it must be simple to you because you've done it for many years but i've dabbled in gardening my dad is a good gardener i've learned a few things and um but yeah I wouldn't say it was simple. I'd say it actually takes an awful lot of care or an awful lot of commitment, first of all. You know, once you know all the tricks and you've been through the seasons, you know when to do this and when not to do that. But um, <clears throat> how, how, how will people who are listening start to understand 
you know, those first simple steps to, to start cultivating an emerging leader. Let's focus on the leader rather than just people in general. Right. Okay. Um, the, the first place that people have to be is interested. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's so great. You have to be, you have to be interested. You have to be interested in the humans um, that are in your charge, that are, that are part of your department. So you have to be interested. The next step is a verb. And the verb to care, the, the definition of that is to have thought or regard for, to make provision for, and to look out for. Caring uh, in the context of being a leader, um, for me, again, my, op my opinion is it is all external. It is all about them. It is asking the questions, waiting for the answer, not feeling like it has to be immediate, being open and willing to explore, being open and willing to sit patiently and observe and get to know these people and get to know what works for them, what doesn't work for them. But I would say the, the, the first step is you have to choose to be interested in this person's whole life, not just at work, but outside of work, everything, everything about them and your words, but more so your actions are going to tell them that you are interested in them and their life. And I like something as simple as uh, you're come to work and you're chatting with somebody and you, you ask them, so, you know, how's, uh, how's everyone in your family doing? And somebody says, oh, well, everyone's fine. I said, mom, yeah, she, she fell and she twisted her ankle. And so she's hobbling along and I had to help her. And, and so you have this conversation and you express your care and concern. But then three days later, this same person happens to be there and you say, hey, how's your mom doing? That is a demonstration that you have given thought or regard for this person and their life and the circumstance that you knew about. So um, building up that, that muscle of, of, of caring so that when people communicate and give you information and share their life that you don't just discard it, that you don't just forget about it, that you can continue to have conversations. And what happens is when you genuinely are interested and you genuinely care, they feel it. Mm -hmm. And it's them feeling the love and the care that prompts them to care more and be interested more in the job that they're doing and the position that they hold and the relationship that you have with them. But it starts with you. It starts with you being interested and 
Karen, about, about them. I have like a three-part question. Because <laughs> 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 one of the things that is so important in emerging leaders is potentially asking them the question like, why are you becoming a leader? Like, why are you choosing to become a leader? And so the, the first couple of things I heard you say were, you know, in leadership, if you're going to step into that role, you innately have to care about people. It needs to be an ingredient that's part of your why. Mm -hmm. But then you just also said that you can build the muscle, which implies that it can be something that's taught. So in your experience, do you believe that leaders are more successful if they innately at their why are caring or that they can build the muscle so it doesn't really matter if it's innate to them or not? I believe that it is both. It's certainly, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word effort. It's less effort for somebody who is innately um, a kind of loving, caring person, that's, that's who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, yeah, I, I, maybe it's less effort, but I believe that somebody whose first instinct isn't necessarily to demonstrate and show that they care, it doesn't mean that they don't. Right. It may be there, but they have never learned how to express it. It's uncomfortable to them. And so they can learn how and they can build that, build that muscle. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say it's, say that it's, that it's both. And yeah, I, you have to get out of yourself. If you're not able to get out of yourself, it's very, very difficult to lead people in an authentic way because it's all about them. Mm -hmm. It always has been, always will be. It has never been about you. <laughs> yeah, so That's, important. Critical. That's my that's my take on on leadership. Yeah, I think lots of people that are in the business of leadership would also agree with that. So this leads me to the second piece of my question. I I, I threw one out. Let's <laughs> 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 just do two. Yeah. Is that you mentioned already? There can be barriers to why people perhaps don't demonstrate caring. You know, it, it's innate; they do care, but there's some sort of barrier. Um, in them demonstrating care, uh, caring. So one of the things that I consider as a barrier is this belief system around, but if I care that much about someone to know their life outside of work, it's a lot harder for me to discipline or hold them accountable because now I care about them. What do you think about that? How do you coach uh, leaders through that barrier of belief? I'm going to turn that on its head and say by showing and demonstrating over time how much you care, you are going to present the discipline in a way that it is going to be well received because the person knows that you care. You've already demonstrated that. They know that you are not coming and presenting this in anything other than 
a loving and caring way because you have their best interest at heart because you have already demonstrated that by your action and by your words. So for me, that caring, that whole part of it just frees up the opportunity for really awesome feedback and interaction. Yay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I agree Round with that. Of applause. <laughs> I agree because the, the idea of discipline, you know, there are many forms of discipline. And if you're coming from a, a loving or caring position, then you can do that in a very innate and caring way. And if you have that connection and relationship already, that you've built time cultivating, watering, nurturing, feeding, then when it comes to disciplining, that's another advantage of why you do it, to make that those difficult moments easier. Yeah. So, well, and you know what? The other, the other part of this whole thing as a, as a leader don't forget it encompasses your personality, your innate being. Mm -hmm. I'm loud, I'm opinionated, I'm a talker. Like it was, like I, if I delivered discipline, it might be a one-liner as I'm walking by because that's how I am. That's how they've experienced me. That's how they've embraced me. And being consistently who you are. Mm -hmm as you're going through and showing these these acts uh, or demonstrating that you care there is no problem with communicating good bad or ugly it, it doesn't matter because you are going to present yourself the same way you always do which i think speaks to probably the most important element is the space of vulnerability that comes with caring about people is all of a sudden because they know that you've created the space for people to make mistakes to come forward and say things like i totally screwed up this piece of what i was working on directly to you as the leader which often means you have to discipline less because people are just coming to you knowing I could say this. I could say, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do here, knowing you got their back, you will care for them, you will coach them, you will support them, you will help to drive them forward. Yeah, and it's the, the response is, okay, what happened? Mm -hmm. Not who did it, mm -hmm. what transpired, let's figure out how this happened so that we can figure out how to fix it so that we can move forward and hopefully this doesn't, doesn't happen, happen again. Uh, the other part of leading this way is the sum total of the IQ of your team is far greater than yours will ever be. And when you present opportunity for them to bring themselves and their ideas and their thoughts and all that kind of stuff, it's amazing the progress that can be made in streamlining and becoming more efficient and having better communication between departments and all the rest of it because they're invested. Mm -hmm. they, they know you want to hear what they think. You want to hear what they've come up with. And again, to me, that is a demonstration of caring. You are interested in their opinion you're interested in their knowledge you're interested in what they consider their mistake because it's information it's just going to help us okay so earlier uh asked you a question 
And we're talking about caring as a superpower and we're talking about simplicity. So you let slip the L word earlier and, and a mutual friend of ours, Kevin Monroe, talks about loving the workplace and how we can start to embrace it and start to talk about it more and be more open about it. And many people find it difficult to use that word in any context in the workplace and therefore they substitute it with the word caring. So tell me how if we continue the gardening, nurturing thing, you, you, you love your garden, you, you tend to it all the time. Hmm. Why, why, why not use the L word? Why, why caring? Is it something you've, you've learned over time works better or is it just a personal preference or is it just too um, difficult to accept? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, I can't say that I've actually thought about it, how, how you presented it. Caring for me, uh, is more in the lines of tending is an, is an action where love is the emotion is the, is the feeling that I, that I have. So when I, when I look at um, caring, it's to, it, it is a verb. Like to me, it's, I'm taking action. I am doing things. I am demonstrating. I mean, part of tending, um, there's, there's three components of it. Uh, it's the effort expended on something. It's the love, the warmth that you bring to it. And it's being present. It's your presence. That's part of, part of tending. Those are all, those are all verbs. Those are all actions that you can do. And love for me is how I feel about something or feel towards someone or how someone feels towards me. And I can honestly say that I loved each member of my team. There's no question that I loved, I loved them. I loved what they contribute. I cared uh, about showing them that I was interested in them as a, as a person. I, I wanted to demonstrate that I did think about them. I wanted them to be able to see by my actions that I was thinking about them when I made this choice or when I moved someone over here kind of thing. Does that make sense to you? I have like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have like the double, the double okay, the double thumbs okay. experience <laughs> in crazy. that description is so, it's so beautifully thought of and thoughtful of the perhaps resistance to this idea of in order to care, it means I have to care about love as Reese is saying, everybody, and that's not a reality. So I, I believe this description you just gave removes the barrier of that being a necessity to behaving in a way, in a leadership way, that really does drive outcomes, like the best of outcomes that every leader wants and is responsible for. Which leads me to asking you, what do you, what do you believe are the like pivotal outcomes that are achieved by starting from a foundation of caring? I would, I would have to say 
for for me from from my perspective the best outcome is you have a group of people who love their job are jazzed to come to work they're happy when they leave they are invigorated by what they're doing and who they're doing it with mm. right and mm. the 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 numbers the metrics the all of that stuff <laughs> <laughs> all of those measurements kind of thing all look after themselves mm -hmm. because you have a group of people that are striving for their best and they're happy doing it and so uh, all of those other measurements they they grow exponentially because of everybody being happy now that's utopia right it's <laughs> it isn't necessarily going to be and and it takes time it takes patience right it takes the willingness to go through the hard uh, time of really figuring everything out figuring everybody out making sure people are in the right spot and and coaxing information out of people so that you do understand what is the right spot for them and then the end result is these raving fans these these are people that should you leave the department want to follow you to the next department mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. they'll follow you to another company right because they have experienced what it's like to have a leader that loves them and that cares about their success as a human being not just success of doing a task 100 percent, yeah so you your your interest and your investment in the beginning is about seeing their culmination and their growth and their continued growth cycle after cycle uh, year after year in the garden metaphor mm -hmm. it's not like you're taking them to the garden show and you're looking to see who's the biggest and who's got the no. biggest you know it's not about those measurements it's just about seeing them reproduce what you've done and then teaching other people doing the same thing i think that must be the most satisfying thing about being a leader is when you see them step into that role but then follow that through to the next one and you know you're still part of the same group but you see it what you teach they've added their own flavor to it and then they you see it you know maybe there's been a bit of cross-pollination or a bit of grafting you said that you couldn't necessarily turn a uh, cauliflower into a potato or whatever whatever we said at the start but <laughs> maybe there's some kind of some some idea of cross-pollination there but um i'm, I'm anxious that we're, we're getting towards the end of the, of the show so we always do a hashtag not anymore um question we'd like you to leave um the listeners with something we like people to be able to think differently but then also be able to do differently maybe tomorrow or, or next week so earlier on we Teresa asked you about like an innate quality maybe that you'd see in a leader that, that you might look for or not necessarily look for but hope for that would that would help propel them forward so to continue with the gardening analogy that we would say people have a green green fingers or a green thumb which makes them extra able to to grow those magic magic uh, flowers or whatever it is mm -hmm. so what, what do you think that 
leaders, what, what do you think people should be looking for in emerging leaders? So at a, a sort of medium to senior level of the organization, they're looking for these future, they're looking for the succession planning. What do you think are some of those green thumbs that you learned from your experience that people will see, you know, the best, best produce, the best root grow from? If that wasn't too many mixed metaphors. Yeah. Um, being interested. It's, it doesn't matter what position you hold in a company, whether you're in leadership or not, you can be a leader. And it is being interested, being interested in the person beside you, being interested in another department, being interested in how the company works, like who, all the different departments, I, figuring it out, finding out. Somebody that shows interest is someone who wants to learn and wants to get a better, bigger, broader picture of everything that's going on. That someone would make an awesome leader. Uh, you've got uh, people that are helping. You know, those helpers, the ones, anything I can do, you know, I've got some, I've got some downtime here. So like, do you have anything? Can I take anything off your plate? Those people, uh, situational awareness, right? Of what's, what's going on, getting the feel and the vibe, you know, anybody that's demonstrating that it is, it's a, it's a big deal. And I think another one that I love is those people that are willing to speak up and some of sometimes it's hard it's difficult you've got people in in meetings you might even have uh, somebody in in a department but to speak up and ask the question uh, being comfortable with possibly being a disruptor right it's it, it, it's not that they want to disrupt but the question that they ask, valid, absolutely awesome question, but it may disrupt. And then there's this ripple effect. So somebody that's, that's willing to just speak from their heart, if, if, if something's not working quite right, that they're willing to actually stand up and say, you know, uh, can I ask a question? Why are we doing it this way? Uh, so yeah, those are, those are, three great ones really yeah that is so you like three great ones reese is like what's one thing that we could do when we're looking for those and you said so someone who's interested who's helpful has the courage to speak up and yeah. normally we only do sort of one hashtag not anymore mm -hmm. and i'm gonna ask if we could do two because <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the utopian state of a team needs the belief that potentially people are innately good but sometimes um there are weeds no and yeah so i'm wondering for our listeners if you can provide a recommendation in how do we tend to the weeds harshly and vigorously now that doesn't sound very loving and caring, but the reality is if you do not handle that weed when it comes up, weeds grow far faster and far broader and create far more 
stress and strain and ugliness in mm -hmm. the landscape, you have to deal with it. And there is no head in the sand. Yes, you can caringly do it, but no, you don't get to pretend it's not there. Yeah, absolutely. Right away. And weeds are far easier to pull when they're small, and they're far easier to pull when the soil is moist, when it is when it's when it's wet. Mm -hmm. So you can water, you can encourage, you can give that moisture and handle that weed and, and pull it out. And you just have to be, you have to be vigilant. There's no question. Mm -hmm. You have to be vigilant. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And just an aside, mm -hmm. when it comes to the garden and weeds, if your plants are healthy and growing, they act as the, uh, an awesome mm -hmm. weed suppression system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's when the plants are, they've got some disease or something going on that, that then you've got some weed potential problems. But when, when everybody is flourishing and happy, the weeds are few and far between. Fantastic. So uh, tell us, Rhonda, how can people reach out to you and find out more about um, the amazing um, cultivating that you're doing? Ah, well, my website, rondadelaney.com. They can go there. Uh, on the website, the podcast link is, is there as well. I'm on LinkedIn, Rhonda Delaney. And then as far as uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Pinterest, I'm at The People Gardener. So... <laughs> Can, Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to put those in the uh, in the notes for the for the episode. But um, so now we like to finish, as always, with our rapid fire Q and A. So ten statements, two choices. Interpret as suits you. Um, whatever is on your heart or your mind at this moment. Are you ready? I don't know. I guess so. Don't have much choice, do I? No, nope. you don't. <laughs> uh, okay. Number one, manager or leader. I don't give a tinker's toot. I mean, seriously, I, it's, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with leader, but yeah. I, I prefer tinker's toot, but it will go in a <laughs> um, Active or reactive? Active. Uh, number three, black and white or gray? Oh, it's good you asked me this question as a 60-year-old, not a 30-year-old. I'll go with gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, optimist or, in, uh, optimist or realist? Optimist. Uh, number five, Canada or England? Canada. Number six, heart or head? Hearts. Yeah, we need to get rid of that question five. It's not working for me. <clears throat> um, number seven, empathy or assertiveness? Your thinking either, face right now is awesome. Either <laughs> or. Mm. Um, I'll go with empathy. Okay. Uh, number eight, introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Number nine, logical or emotional? Logical. And number 10, innovation or process? Innovation. Thank you so much, Rhonda. It's been such a treat having you on the show. Uh, I know I've grown as a person listening to some of your ideas here. I hope our listeners have as well. Ah, well, back at you. It was delightful. 
We love to hear all of your feedback here on TNT ESQ. So if you've enjoyed this show, you've learned something, you've been inspired, please share it with your friends. Please rate the show. Please write a review on whichever podcast uh, platform you enjoyed it on to help us spread the word, help more people think differently, and more people start doing differently. Thank you.